Welcome to Six Pack Discussions, where Cody and Jared take on the biggest, most talked about headlines with logic, passion, and a six pack of beer. If you're listening, we challenge you to take an unbiased view of the world, because we know these conversations are complicated. So sit down, crack a beer, and welcome a new perspective. Okay, guys, we are coming in with a new episode from Six Pack Discussions. Cody and Jared, it's been exciting, actually, for me. We are approaching a full year of recording and episodes, I think, next month, so... This might be like episode 41, 42. We are coming up on 52 episodes. Extremely excited. Jared, what are we drinking today and what are we talking about today? We're drinking uh, the Great Divide, I'm sorry, Great Divides Yeti Imperial Stout. Ooh. Okay. I'm excited for this beer because I, of course, I picked it out. Yeah, of course you did. So, Imperial Stout. Mm. Exciting. So, what are we talking about though? Droughts. Droughts. You know, their effects, uh, not only the obvious, but. you know, maybe some second and third order effects, the domino effect, if you will, of drought. So, yeah, and I think for some of our listeners, droughts may be kind of a foreign word to them. If you think about the entire Depending eastern, on the yeah, well, the entire <laughs> eastern seaboard. Like, if you're in Maine, do you know what a drought is? No. Do you? If you're in Michigan, what's the drought? No. If you look, droughts are so area specific that I think it might be a vocabulary word. I mean, realistically, if you think about right. I bet what ten percent um, of states are continuously affected by it. Us, California, New Mexico. Uh, Who else is really Nevada? Okay, Nevada. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But Nevada yeah. really only has Vegas. I mean, so they're just not a big state. Yeah. Hey, we count them. We count. Them. I know. But still, you're right. Yeah, like it's very a very small amount of states. Now they are big states, large physical large states, masses. Yeah, yeah. But if you look at the overall amount of states in the U.S., pretty small. You know, even Texas, not really affected by droughts. No, I mean, maybe the western part, but... Yeah, not really, though. If you look at the in general amount, it's yeah. not that bit affected. So, guys, we were talking about droughts. Um, what a drought is, for everybody that doesn't know, is it's a period of time when an area or region experiences below normal per- precipitation, which is rain, mm-hmm. the lack of aqu- uh, aquedit, or, aqueducts, no, uh, adequate. adequate, adequate, adequate precipitation, either rain or snow can cause reduced soil moisture or groundwater diminishing stream flow, crop damage, and general water shortages throughout the region. In short, I equated this to nature's supply and demand curve. 100%. We have yep. hurricanes in some areas and we have droughts in others, right? So, so we are exceeding the amount of supply based on our demand, right? For, you know, Arizona water. specific. Yeah, water. Yeah. And, and not only us, but also... Yeah, like I said, the states that we are. Animals and all the people, or I guess all the wildlife, plants, everything is kind of... Farmers, yeah. yeah. Too much water. Too much water. Guys, this is a weird one. I think we've went through a lot of recent episodes that are very people-specific. This well, one's more geological or... Well, what's Earth? crazy is this, is one that, well, this was on the list for a while, but as of late, it's been, it's been getting real with Lake Powell... Oh, yeah. I mean, my gosh. Very low. Very low. And Lake Powell, guys, I don't know, Jared, do you want to share it? It's like half of its normal holdings, right? Yeah, I thought 40%. Yeah, let's yeah. go half. I mean, it, it's it's crazy. There are, um, what is it? It's, it's the famous landmark there in Lake Powell. I think it's like Isolated Rock or, or Lone Rock, I think is what it's called. Okay. To where you, you could swim, you would have to swim to it to see this iconic landmark. Now you can walk there. Oh, from the land? Like, from like the you curb. can literally walk there. I, I mean, it's it, it's horrible what we're seeing, man. Um, Colorado River's down. Like I said, Lake Powell. Okay. Hoover Dam, yeah. Um, so droughts are kind of weird. Uh, when I was doing a little bit of research here, I don't know if you found this, but droughts, unlike other weather conditions or other weather events like hurricanes, tornadoes, thunderstorms, hail damage, it's very difficult to pinpoint um, when they start and when they end. I don't know if you noticed that, but... Yeah. Scientists have always had a very big challenge when they say, oh, we've we've been in a drought for three years. Some scientists may say, we've been in a drought for three and a half years. It's very hard to figure out when exactly it starts because the initial effects of droughts are hard to understand, and it may take weeks, months, or even years to determine when a drought has even started. Mm-hmm. And then once it starts raining again in that area— when exactly has a drought started? Or, or sorry, the drought stopped. Ended, yeah. Ended. And so and it's one of those weather-related events that's just like, okay, hurricanes, 
start and end. <laughs> Clearly, you can see. Yeah. Tornadoes, yeah. Tornadoes, start and end. Thunderstorms, we all know, start and ends. You know, that's, that's really uh, profound. That's pretty insightful that you, uh, that you stated it like that. I mean, one thing that I found fairly interesting with all the research is, and this, I'm actually kind of annoyed at myself that I didn't really equate this and make the connections needed. But, you know, the drought really isn't just dry soil or, or dying plants. A drought is um, wildfires. Obviously, you can be associated with that with the drying out of plants, the dying of plants. Mm. Um, obviously, dust storms due to the extreme dry soil. So, I mean, it's yep. just really interesting. Yeah, I was like, it's really not just the absence of water, but it's what the absence of water is doing to the environment. A it's lot killing of, off the yeah. wildlife. Secondary effects. The second and third order effects are wild. I mean... Um, you know, think about it. If all of a sudden there's a, a drought and all the corn dies, farmer loses out on tens of thousands of dollars. That tens of thousands of dollars was going to be used to buy a new tractor. Therefore, that tractor supply company is now going to be reduction in staff and or go out of business depending on how many farmers it, it interacts with. I mean, the, the second and third order effects of a drought is is monumental, honestly. 100%. Um, and. I think as we look at the entire year, United States is really where I did a lot of my research. Yeah. Um, I think people are starting to take droughts seriously for the first time, really, and saying, okay, where do we get our water supply from? Well, you know, that's actually really funny because as you remember, one of the, this is so silly. I don't know if you guys did this. Uh, so I did this in elementary school back in Texas. So I don't know if you Arizonans did it in your um, in your elementary school. My learnings. Your learnings. But... My, I think it's my second or third grade science teacher. Okay. She blew up a globe, like a little inflatable globe, right? Okay. Yeah. And she threw it around the class. And whatever your right thumb, wherever it landed, you had to say land or water. Oh, yeah. We did the same thing. Oh, did you? So, so you just throw it around and the teacher had to like take a tally. And essentially what they're trying to illustrate is how water is. <laughs> That's a word. How much water is on, on the planet, right? And I think what is it about... 66 to 70%, depending on, I think it's around 70%, is water, water mass as far as the, the Earth. I, I think it's like 340 billion, billion gallons of water. You're talking about the oceans. The oceans, yeah. Okay. Ocean, seas, etc. Yeah. So, of course, I went down this rabbit hole of, well, guys, we just got to get better. You know, desalination's got to be a thing, all this stuff, right? So, I went down this fun little rabbit hole. Have, have you done any research with desalination by chance? Oh, yeah. With reverse osmosis and then, of course, you know, just the natural oh, heating of water to remove I the salt. I was going to hold it for a little longer, but you you went down. I love it. Yeah. So it was so interesting because, you know, again, this, you know, my third grade science teacher would kick my ass talking about just chemical compounds. Guys, it's not like, you know, salt is just floating around the ocean. So you can just, you know, get a nice little skimmer, right? Like, oh, yeah, we can just remove it. Like, Salt water is a, a chemical compound. It's a chemical reaction that the salt actually dissolves in the water. Yep. So therefore, talking about all the energy that it takes, um, and then unfortunately, it's not just the amount of energy that it takes in order to get drinkable water or potable water from this desalination process. It's also what do you do with the, the salt, the brine water. And then, of course, it one way or another is going to get way into a body of water, whether it's a river, creek, ocean, etc., and actually, that brine is killing the natural ecosystem that it then pollutes into the ocean. I was like, "Oh, this is a horrible idea." Well, let's not let's not think that just yet, there, Jared Jones. Um, Today it is. It, it could be a good idea. Um, I'm not going to say it's bad or good just yet. I, 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 I <laughs> it's interesting. You already decided to say that uh, desalination, which could be the success of people in the future, is a horrible idea. Today. With our current practices and our current disposal, I mean, yeah. Yeah. If people were starving and not having water, I think it might be a good idea. Yeah. So. I like. I like. I, I, yeah, I mean, it's it just it. interesting the rabbit holes that you can go down because I was like, wait a minute. 100%. How the hell can we not figure out a way to use 66% of our land mass? Not land mass, but. Well, yeah. I'm sorry. Mass of the earth, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know what I'm saying. Um, surface area. Surface area. Thank you. That's yeah. No, that's no. I, I actually like that you were thinking about, okay, well, we have all this water. And, and so why should we even have droughts? And this is one thing I didn't know is quite ironically, as what Yale said. This is actually from Yale's, uh, one of their professors. They were I've doing heard a study. Cool. Yeah, right. Not bad. <laughs> one of those schools in the one, Northeast. One of their researchers or professors was doing research on droughts in the Southwest, and they were saying, it's odd as we were tracking droughts throughout the Southwest, 
and they become more severe, which I think most of us would say, yeah, you know what, in Arizona, South, uh, Southern California, Nevada, Utah, yeah, have gotten more severe. It's gotten drier. We've had less precipitation. Okay. Well, he said, the interesting thing is, is everywhere else has gotten wetter. So if you look at the general precipitation across the entire United States, it's actually over the last 120 years increased in the amount of rain. And, and actually, he's like, this makes sense, though, guys. This is the water cycle. So the more water that's evapor evaporated from the southwest, from land, it goes into the atmosphere. And when the atmosphere gets too much water, what happens? Comes down. Comes down. It's a great little water cycle. Yep, exactly. And we all learned the water cycle, of course, in elementary school, middle school, whatever it may be. And he's like, you look at, you know, states that are not in the, in the drought areas. You look at southern states, Midwest states, if you look at the northeastern states, they have a problem with too much water coming down. You know, if you think of like, uh, let's say Ohio, uh, sorry, Kentucky, Tennessee, Georgia, Florida, they're having rain every other day, every day. And so I was like, oh, that's kind of a weird thing to think about is that they actually have a water problem where we have a... We have a water problem too. We have a water problem as well. Lack thereof or surplus. Yeah. Exactly. So really what we have is a where the water is coming from problem. So kind of weird. Um, also, one thing that was recorded, and, and take this as what you think here, and uh, let me tell you the stat and let's see where we kind of lie. An analysis of tree rings shows that record droughts during the period of 2000 to 2018 in the United States. So what they do is they look at, at um, tree rings. Mm -hmm. And the closer together the rings are, meaning that there was less growth and less precipitation during those years. And whenever there's a large gap, it means that, hey, you know what? It's a bountiful year, right? Kind of like whenever you go down and go grab a couple cheeseburgers, the more money you have, the more likely you're going to buy a little extra cheeseburgers and you're going to get a little extra weight, right? Same thing with trees. Well, between the years of 2008, 2018, they saw that these rings were very close and they said, oh, this is, these are some drought years. But they have not seen between uh, since 1500, so year 1,500, and it's been the second driest period since 800 AD. Okay, so that means, okay, well, there's been drier years. That's what I got out of that. Well, you know what I actually glean from that is because, you know, look, we, hear, we hear about climate change and we hear about global warming. So what we're experiencing right now is not unprecedented. That's what I was kind of thinking. It's like, okay, yeah. well, in 800 AD, there was a... One one thousandth of the people, and there was no burning of fossil fuels. Zero, zero. There was some burning of maybe some shit. To be honest, like burning of yeah, like human feces. Yeah, yeah that was probably it to like create some fires, maybe. Huh. And so I'm trying to think of that. I'm like, hmm. Wait a minute here. If if we have uh, documented um, cases of a more drought in our past, how does that work? Kind of weird, right? To kind of think about that a little bit. Man, that's weird. You had to dig deep for that because that is not fit the narrative today. Uh-uh. Like, not even a little bit. I was looking at droughts and how they compare to previously uh, past droughts, and all of a sudden this whole tree ring popped up. And I was like, oh, tree rings are probably a really good way to document Tree that. rings are really interesting. So I, I was doing a little bit of research, and I don't have it at hand. I, I tried to thumb through my tabs, but uh, I'm just going to kind of speak from memory here. But, you know, what what we're experiencing and what – I'm sorry, what we are as an Arizona is experiencing right now, it's like um, – I, I read a couple different sources that, you know, they said this is the second driest uh, start of the year in the last 128 years. I don't know why, what the hell happened 120 years ago. I guess I started tracking a little bit better, but this is the second driest and or the sixth driest. Those are the, the two most common um, figures that I was seeing. And what I always don't really get is, look, if, if, if global warming is continuously being a problem, this climate change, et cetera, right, that we keep hearing about continuously every you know quarter, maybe half a year, why in the hell would anything ever happen worse than what we're experiencing right now? Because we're only burning more fossil fuels every single minute. We're only creating more people every single minute. It should be traumatic, you're saying. Like, that's what I'm saying. It should be an exponential curve. So nothing, like it shouldn't even be close. Like, we should be exponentially higher than we were last year, the year before, and the year before, and the year before. That's what I really don't understand, the sporadicness of the weather. If, if 
what we're doing as humans with all of our innovations and industrial resolution and really just taking off from there, right? A hundred percent. That's what I, that's what doesn't make sense to me. And this is weird because when I was doing research on one of the uh, government websites, uh, I think this is one that monitors. Um, it's called droughtmonitor.edu. And, and so what they do is they look at, and this is as of August 17, 2021. We'll talk about the beer here after my little statement here. They look at um, droughts and how they are scored, I guess, from a zero to what they call a D4. Exceptional drought. Yep, D zero to D four. Yep. Yeah. So abnormally dry, moderately dry, severe, extreme dry, exceptionally exceptionally drought. Um, and and when you look at this map, and I'm sure when you looked at this map as well, Jared, it, it looks scary. Does it look scary to you? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, whenever you look at some of the 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 percentages associated with, you know, the D3s, especially D2s, severe drought is 78% of Arizona. I mean, that's a lot of... Landmass. Man, landmass. Well, you look at this, and I, I see this, um, the exceptional drought is so scary because it, it's weird. It goes all the way from Washington State, right? Idaho and Washington, which is, you, know, you think of Washington, you think of kind of a wet state. Like, Seattle is known for rain, but the... East Coast part, or sorry, the east side of Washington. Go ahead. So I think you did a great job of explaining the scale, but I just want to read a couple of the bullet points of what it constitutes a D4 exceptional drought. So fire restrictions increase, duh. Large fires occur year-round. Vegetation greenup is poor. Native plants are dying. The native plants are dying. That's what. That's a true factor because these are plants that are literally made for this habitat, right? Um, and then lakes and ponds are extremely dry. Yeah, and those are the. That's the worst case scenarios. That, that, that is... D4. Yep. You you can't get worse. That is the 10 on the scale. And when you're looking at this map, guys, I know you guys can't see it, but what you're seeing is, is all the way from up, like, you imagine Spokane, Washington area, all the way through middle of Oregon, down through the Central Valley of Washington. Vegas. And then you go down through Vegas, Southern California, Salt Lake City, middle of Utah, through some parts of Arizona and Colorado. Those are the areas that have really been affected by exceptional droughts. And then the rest of the Southwest is in somewhere of extreme, severe, or moderate droughts. If you look at Arizona, where we're currently located, the majority of the state is in a moderate drought, right? Where we deal with a drought pretty much almost every year. But it's not, um, there is no non-rainfall, right? In some of these areas that have exceptional drought, there is no rainfall whatsoever. So that's interesting. So August 17th, 2021, kind of want to leave you guys with that as we talk about this beer here. Um, there's a lot of the Southwest, and, and guys, let's just look at the states here. Washington, Oregon, Idaho, California, Nevada, uh, Utah, Arizona, Colorado, New Mexico. Are, I, what, I, what I'm going to say critical to the drought conversation, what do you, get, what do you think, Jared? Is that probably about covering them all? 100%. Okay. 100% agree. Okay, let's talk about this beer, Jared. Dude. So what are we calling it? Great Divide by Yeti. This is an imperial stout brewed and canned by Great Divide Brewing. Let's real quickly here. The can. 9.5% first of all. So yeah. thanks for that. <clears throat> well, I figure this is a scientifical. I'm just glad that scientific a, episode. This so. isn't a touchy subject, so I can't get in trouble on the third beer for what I Depends say. Depends on where you are, but yeah. <laughs> um, so, guys, this is a uh, an imperial stout, 9.5, as Jared mentioned. It's a little bit higher on the uh, APV. The can itself is a brown and white uh, can. It says Yeti on it, but yet had has what I would say a Bigfoot running across it. <laughs> yeah. Right? Would you oh, not say that? I would agree. Um, Some people would call I that picked a this up real quick. I picked this up yesterday, and uh, I found a little local spot, a little gas station, I should say. It's got a good beer selection right by the office where I'm working out of. Um, I've never been in there before. Walked in, and I was like, oh, I'm grabbing beer for tomorrow here. It had probably a selection of 60 to 70 different brews. A gas station? Yes. Very That's impressive. like some Colorado stuff, man. Very impressive. Because I was spoiled out there so, in Colorado. You, know, you can get a good six-pack in Colorado. It's funny. I, I picked up one six-pack. And, and as you picked I, up a personal one? 
<laughs> no, as I was walking out, I saw this. And I was like, you know what? Just like curious, what kind of what kind of beer did you have in your hand before you picked up? And this? it was a nice IPA. It was nice actually. It was it was not a bad looking can. But I saw this, and I was like, oh man, did that guy it has Bigfoot on there. So were what this tells to, me. Were you just thinking to yourself, like, you know, Jared's been traveling for, you know, five days. He's gonna really want to come home to a nice stout. No, what I was thinking <laughs> is is that this is good marketing. Because that was able to stop me and say, Yeti, yeah, I'll take a Yeti. Not only does Yeti have just a good name and brand right now because they're coolers. But this isn't associated with the beer. No. But Yeti sounds strong. It sounds aggressive. It sounds kind of exotic. So this beer right here by Great Divide, great job marketing. Great job with kind of the can. Would you say this art is not bad? No, I love the can. Okay. Can's cool. Can's thumbs up. Thumbs up. We've kind of come this thing up for the can and the brand. What's your thoughts on the taste and the brie, uh, the beer itself? What is our scale? Zero to five or one to five? <laughs> one to five. One to five? Okay. I'm going to give this a 1.1. 1. 1. Okay. 1.1. 1. I, I think I am literally, you, you've almost like laughed. I'm, I'm not trying to be a drama queen here. Every sip I struggle with, I... Guys, as you know, stouts, porters, they are not my beer of choice. But damn, this is not good. Dude, if you give this, I know you're a dark beer guy. If you give this anything above a two, I'm calling into question your your integrity of beer tasting. This is a one. Okay. This is a one for me, guys. I like stouts. I like porters. I like darker beers. I don't I can't drink this beer. I actually it's been going through my head already, and I don't like to say this. I might not drink that third beer. Dude, I don't want to. <laughs> this is the very first beer that I, I've ever, I, I don't know if I'm going to say ever, but to my recent memory, thinking, you know, I'm not going to drink any more beer tonight. I'm good. Yep. Now, I might do it. Maybe somehow it gets better with taste or, or time, but I'm sorry, Great Divide. I, I don't know if you guys have better beers. Maybe it's our taste buds. Maybe we, we, me and Jared just both suck at, at beer or tasting or whatever. It's a one for me. You went 1.1 just to be nice. Yeah. <laughs> one for me. I was actually going to say zero, but I was like, you know, I'm just going to give it a one to five. I'm sorry, guys. Um, not a good beer. I would not drink it again. Um, if you're seeing this in the stores, don't pass run, by it. Run far. Run long. And if you're great divide and you're listening right now, guys, a, a brewer's over there. Just refine it. Make it a little better. That's what I'm going to say. Honestly, it has a harsh bite to it. Too harsh. A weird flavor. Like, it's not... It doesn't have a caramely taste to it. It's not sweet like a, a step normally should be. You know... Hold on, guys. Can you can you help me clean this up, Jared? Oh, my God. He might be switching this up right now. Uh, grabbing another beer. So, I mentioned, guys, uh, everyone listening... I mentioned that the U.S. drought um, monitor is very specific to the Southwest. One thing that I wanted to kind of bounce off of Jared, if you look at, oh, wow, Jared actually has, has went and got a different beer for possibly our third. So We're not going to rank this. We're not going to even give it a thumbs up. Um, I don't think we should talk about it because I really want to try this maybe another day because it's, it's a unique beer. Well, we're still going to drink this second beer because, look, yeah, we're I mean, talking about a drought. Yeah. Precious water was used to create this beer. We're I'm still going to drink the it. second beer, but the third beer is a mystery guy. Yeah. yeah. What I wouldn't mind, though, Jones, if you don't mind, is can you get me a rag or a paper towel? I have some here actually dripping off the table on me, and I want to just clean this up. Yeah. What is this, our first episode? It's like 43 or 44. Like, we've been doing this for a year. But you know what? Hey, that's how, how this works here. Okay, hey, thanks, man. Okay, so, okay, we talked about the states that are affected by droughts. One thing I don't know if you noticed, and I do a little bit of digging on this because I think it might be, honestly, a slightly hidden, is the annual per- uh, precipitation uh, in inches from 1900 to 2020. Oh, okay, interesting. Sure. So if you look at the averages over the United States. Are, are you breaking the U.S. into region or just use as a whole? The entire whole. Okay, got it. What would you think would happen? 
let's say 120 years. Okay. Based off the based news, on just based the news, off of, based on what you thought. I would say it is drastically decreased. The amount of rain. Yes. And I would say yes in Arizona. Yeah. Where we're from. Yeah. And this is where I think the locality... Um, Not the recency bias, but the locality bias, maybe? Yeah, locality bias kind of occurs. It's like, oh, I haven't seen rain for like uh, five days or, or five months or whatever it may be. When I show you this graph... The, oh, wow. Interesting. The green is how much more rain... Than the previous year? Exactly. And what it shows is, is we've had a lot more rain per inches... And not only the frequency of more rain, but the frequency of multiple years in a row where there's more rain than a drought situation. And so now here's a weird thing. It, it, it's not region-based. It's the entire U.S. And, and as the Yale study showed, as droughts increase in some areas or regions in the United States, the rain or precipitation increases. Now, as I was saying, you know, let's think of natural disasters, the other the, the wet kind. Hurricanes. Exactly, because obviously you get a shit ton, I think it's the scientific term there, of <laughs> rain in these tornadoes, tsunamis, et cetera, right? A shit ton. Yeah. So you look at that and you're like, okay, this is okay, weird. Okay. Then I'm going to show you another one. Um, this graph, you're going to like this one, Jared. So the green here is a change of... Tw- 10 to 30% increase in rain previous to the year before. And the tan is a decrease of rain from previous year. So you can see in some areas of the U.S., you would be freaking out. Mm -hmm. But if you're in the areas that are green, what would you be saying? Stop the rain. I would say, shit, you know, I don't want a lake house. Exactly. Yeah. Very interesting, right? You see a lot more green, a lot more rain. And it starts making you kind of You know, it's really like, interesting. Is What is that above? Is that Nebraska? Because it's really interesting. You know, a lot of the, the coastal areas have that dark green. But is that Nebraska where there's like a little square there of dark green? Because it's, it's really interesting, you know, because even Texas, I think it's down in that Houston area where there's the dark green. Yes. Is yeah, that yeah. Nebraska? Um, so you have not Nebraska, that would that? be Kansas. No, it was north of Kansas. So you have uh what do you get there? Arkansas, Missouri. Oh, I don't know what's north of uh Missouri there. Right next to Iowa and Wisconsin. Oh, that's probably uh Dude, that's Nebraska. Oh, Nebraska. North of north of Kansas? Nebraska. Oh, you're thinking this state. I'm Yeah, thinking, that little green that little green no, dark dark green store. I'm looking at that state. That's not Nebraska. Oh, right no, no, no. That's Iowa. Iowa. Iowa, yeah. Iowa is got no, a dark... I was, talking, I was talking west of that, though. Oh, I'm sorry. That's really interesting to have because... You oh, know, you're looking at South Dakota. Oh, is it one more? Okay, yeah. I my glasses on. South okay. Dakota. I'm sorry. But still, guys, what we're looking at is some super dark green. I'm looking at 30% increase in precipitation year to year over the last 120 years. This is crazy amount of rain in some parts of the U.S. You're looking at Illinois, Wisconsin... Um, South Dakota, Wisconsin, Minnesota, oh, Texas, uh, yeah. uh, um, Vermont, uh, New, New Hampshire. A lot more rain than you would think. Now, but, but, you, but see, you know, what? whenever you start talking about the coastal cities, that's where I'm talking about the natural disasters. 100%. Right, but that's where it was so interesting to me. You know, the South Dakotas and the Iowa, the landlocked states, that's where it piqued my interest. That's that's an interesting graph because of those two states specifically. You know, there, there's, there's some, uh, the South Dakota and the Iowa. South the dark green? Yeah. That's weird so because weird. everywhere else was coastal. Yeah, 100%. Well, you got kind of that weird, it almost seems like Tornado Alley is super precipitation. Wouldn't you yeah, say the same no, thing? No, that, yeah, I would agree with that. Tornado Alley all the way up to the northeast. <clears throat> but again, guys, we're looking at a graph here, and I, I know that's hard to understand because we're looking at one, but I think from an outsider looking in, it, it's not. it's not black and white. No. Droughts are not black and white. It's not like, oh, everywhere is drying up. Well, it's, it's one of those things, man, where I, I thought what you said was incredibly profound earlier as far as when the hell you can't figure out, you can't pinpoint a drought until two or three years later that you're in a drought, <laughs> you know? It's hard. 100%. 100%. Okay. So we're in our second, I guess, second and a half I'm about, to, I'm about to jog the second beer, man. I want to get to the third. 
Oh my god. The the mystery beer. Dude, I actually kind of want to we're coming we're closing in on a year. I say we rate two beers this, this episode, man. This will be fun. Do it, buddy. All right. Okay. Jared's going to chug this beer. Uh, I don't think I can do it, honestly. It's a stout. It's, it's, it's heavy. Jared must be thinking it's a Friday night or something. Literally, does he know it, it's a Tuesday morning. We're going to go into the office here in about an hour. I don't know. <laughs> we're, if it, we're recording this episode live. <laughs> I don't know how he can do it. We this. don't take our jobs seriously at all. <laughs> <laughs> our real jobs. All right, guys. So this, uh, this mystery beer that I, I chugged that horrible one just to get to this. Golly. It's, uh, it's pretty interesting. So it's uh, Southern Norte, I think, is the beer company. Yes. No, South Norte. I'm sorry. It's a really interesting. That's actually kind of cool. A little cube, but it's got some text. But it's the C Senor. Uh, C is spelled S-E-A, so kind of unique. Mexican lager. I, I actually have not tried this yet. I picked it up at Costco. It was on sale. It was, it was like a 24-pack for, I think, like 12 bucks. It, it was, they're having like a, a blowout sale at Costco this weekend. So I picked it up, honestly, for this podcast. I didn't know I was breaking it out tonight, but... I don't know if you guys know, but Jared's not one to pass up a deal. No. So twenty-four pack for twelve dollars is yeah. a highlight of a week. It, oh yeah. It probably would have shared probably ten, twenty people at this point in time. You probably shared that great deal. Oh yeah, I've, I've tried to convince people to go to Costco to go buy this beer now. Okay, don't don't tell everybody just yet. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> okay, so, so <laughs> droughts, Jared. What's your general take on them, man? Before we start talking about how to fix them. What's your general take on on, on just – what are you thinking about them? So, like I said, I, I told to myself earlier because I, I, diff- I was very hard on myself for thinking so myopic in that I didn't ever really think of the second and third effects. I never thought of the tractor supply company that would likely go out of business because the farmer has a bad year of crops, therefore he doesn't have the profit in order to invest in new tools. I didn't think about – you know, the food scientists and the food chemists that are now going to almost erupt because of the natural crops, right? So therefore, some could say potentially poisoning our, our bodies by putting non-natural foods and additives in our, in our diet. Um, I didn't think about the increase in irrigation companies, but then of course the downfall in local food supply. So I'm pissed off at myself for thinking that a drought is just about, you know, no rain. I, I really didn't think about it across different industries. So overall, man, this is a massive problem that we have to get ahead. This is not a, this is not a problem that you kind of deal with in the moment. This is an infrastructure problem. This is a problem that you need to lean into and, and really address years in advance. Yeah, I saw something like 6 to $7 billion a year is lost economically to droughts. Did you see those numbers? No, I didn't. But, you know, I always kind of... I know. It's so weird. That's so hard to quantify. But know? that's what they were saying. I, I get it. I get it. But I don't know how the hell they quantify I know. it. So they said over the last, like, 30 years since 1990, $67 billion have been lost to droughts. And this is because of, you know, loss of production, uh, production, production of agricultural goods mainly that's the big one right Mm -hmm. and it's so weird you know we think of economies and we think of our society and and, you know today the stock exchange specifically big dip rest in peace yeah big dip but what are the ones that kind of like you know took the dip normally it's like the big tech companies big industrial companies yeah Yeah. those are the ones everyone sees headlines Nasdaq has really sucked this year exactly it's those ones everyone kind of highlights those but Droughts are a little bit more hit the home. almost, yeah. Exactly. They hit home a little bit more. Silent but deadly. Exactly. They say, you know what, Mr. Farmer, I'm going to take your output per year, and I'm going to reduce it by 40%. Whoa. What do you mean 40%? Well, that means that you had, let's say, I don't know, 1,000 nectarine trees that produced 100 nectarines per year. Well, now you only get, uh, you know. 60,000. Exactly. You didn't get 100000 this year. You get 60000 That means that when you go sell them out on the market, well, Mr. Nectarine Farmer, um, you get to charge a little bit more money because there's not that many nectarines in the market. Oh, but wait a minute. Let's say Mr. Nectarine Farmer up in the Northeast had plenty flush. of water. Exactly. Now you're flush. So the guy in Arizona, the guy in California, the farmer that's, you know, been farming for so long, 
they're the ones that suffer. Meanwhile, the guy in Wisconsin, Texas, Georgia, they're the ones doing just fine because they have plenty of water. So it's kind of a weird situation where you have supply and demand kind of working, if you think about it, but there's people still suffering. So I was going to say, you know, I'm okay with supply and demand in equal and a level playing field. And, and hear me out on this one, man. Look, I know it's not like, you know, the Northeast is sabotaging our weather and sabotaging our, our lakes and ponds and creeks, et cetera. Right? I get that. But that it, I always have a soft spot, and it really pisses me off whenever bad things happen to people without their control, i.e. drought. You know, this Arizona farmer is no better or no worse than the one in Virginia that's experiencing, you know, bountiful amounts of rain, right? And that bothers me that this guy can't compete against that guy to no fault of his own. I have a soft spot for those. Yeah, I agree. But now, hey, Hurricane Harvey moves in. Yep. Hurricane Beth, whatever Katrina, it may be. Yep. Boom. Guess what? That nectarine farmer in a waterlogged area just got all their trees ripped out of the ground. I know. So there's a, <clears throat> well, you could say mother nature effect. Not saying that it's equal, but probably the law of averages over time. Now, unfortunately, mother nature is 100,000 years, millions of years. I say, I'm okay with law of averages, but we also have to figure out these farmers, it's not like, you know, these are, these are millionaires or billionaires, right? No. I mean, these guys, you experience one down year, any any reasonable business can experience one to two bad, bad years. Duh. Yeah. Droughts could you be start talking years. about three, five, ten years. I don't know if freaking Elon Musk can. Hell, he's even worried today. I don't know if you saw this article. He thinks that the economy is going to do a downturn, so he just laid off 10% of his people. Oh, yeah. So I don't even know if, you know, these, these tech titans can experience three, five, ten-year down years, i.e. droughts. That's no, yeah, it's it's such a it's such a unique challenge. And I'm not, of course, I'm not a proponent for droughts, but I am also not a person that says we can fix droughts. So I don't think we can fix droughts, but since I'm on my third beer, yeah, you babysit that trash that you brought into my home. God, I, I, it's a 1.0, okay, buddy. At 1.1. 1. 1, it actually. feels like when I drink it, that I'm going to get a headache later. Doesn't it? it? It just doesn't feel good. That first sip, it just felt like... There's crash. something there, and I'm like... I, it's almost like, I wonder if in like a two or three weeks, we're going to read like, oh, recall on serial number, do, 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 do. Like, that's how bad it is. It almost seems rancid. Yeah, you're right. Like, I'm not kidding. Like, I'm not a porter or stout guy. And, and I honestly, I was curious what score you were going to give it. I wasn't curious at all. I, I knew exactly when I first took my first drink. Oh, you knew whenever I asked you what scale we go off of, you knew I was going low. I was going whatever the lowest is. I was like, I'm going to say one because I don't want to say zero because I'm going to have to say zero. I was going to, I was like, Jared's doing this because he's going to be polite and I'm going to just say zero, one, whatever it may be. I, last night, give you an example. Anna, I told Anna, I was heading home. I was like, hey, um, open up the lamb. You know, we had some lamb chops. Yep. Cut it open. Let it warm up to warm temperature before I get home so I can cook it. Yep. I get home. She's like, hey, I think that lamb might be bad. And I was like, no, it's probably fine. No, lamb kind of smells like, it's kind of farty smelling. A little gamey, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of got a little bit of like, I think it's called farty smelling. I don't know the oh. right word, but it kind of smells like, mm, it's kind of, it's very small, strong smelling, you know, especially after it's warmed up. I go over and smell, I'm like, oh man, whoo, there's some smell, right? And I cooked really? it up though, and I'm like, oh, this is good tasting. So it's funny though, because this, you know, I don't. I didn't smell it, but it tastes like that. You know, it's just like ugh, and I'm like, it's not giving me though the mmm, very good taste. It's got a little rancid taste to it. You're right. Maybe it's wrong. Maybe I, it's a bad batch. I honestly, I want to save these two, and they're going to be in our fridge for the next month or two. Huh? And I want to see if there's a recall. Okay, third beer. All right. So yeah, actually, take a sip. I I, I want to do a special episode, man. You you ruined my first. 40 minutes, so now I get to do two beer, two beer ratings. Do you taste a little salt? A little, a little salt action to it almost? It's a good beer. It's, it's a good... Uh, it, it's an honest drinking beer. Yeah. Honestly, guys, I would give this, and I'm not trying to weight it against 
the trash that just went down my throat. Um, I'm going to give this an honest three, five. I think this is a, a good campfire drinking beer. Just, you know, a beer that you just plan on, you know, having a few that day. hundred percent. Yeah. yeah. I think this is an honest three, five. Or Mex lager from the, uh, South Norte, uh, folks. Good beer. Can, you know, artist is all right. Yeah, um, kind of fun. Yeah, yeah. Not, not, nothing crazy. Plain blue, yeah. I'm going to, would you say three, three five? Three, five, yeah. Three, five. I, I said was, it's an honest drinking beer. 100%. Yeah. I drink this all day long. Exactly. Uh, it's a good beer. Uh, you said you got a good deal on it, I too. got a huge deal on it, man, at Costco. I'm pretty pumped about yeah. it. I'm yeah, I, I would say this is a three, five beer all day long. <clears throat> Be fine. You guys, shout out to you guys over there at uh, South Norte. You, you sure. saved the episode. So, now that we are in our third beer, man, you know what really piqued my interest about this whole water consumption, water overconsumption, drought, mediation, irrigation, et cetera. What? So what California started doing last year is they started putting solar panels over all of their canals to not only, of course, capture the, the, the solar energy, right, duh, but also to try to reduce the amount of evaporation that's taking place in these canals. Oh, and I thought, look, I know it's a crazy amount of cost. I get it. Solar panels are incredibly expensive. We're talking miles, dozens of miles, tens of miles, hundreds of miles throughout all of our various canals in the west, western states. But, dude, if I'm king for a day, I do that tomorrow. There will be no canal left exposed. You put a solar panel covering every square inch of the canals. I think that was a no-brainer. I love that move because not only not only do you produce ideally because all these states, one thing we have in common is we're very, very, very sunny, right? Mm-hmm. Hence why we don't get any rain. So not only do you capture some good energy, but then you can use that potential excess energy for making desalination a little bit more effective, a little bit more cost-effective, a little bit more... Um, energy conscious. So I am all, I know it's a huge ask. I know it's a huge spend. I get it. But solar panels over our canals needs to be done tomorrow. I'm typing this down right now because I didn't see that coming. So you like that California put solar panels over their canals. Yep. Specifically because it, helps create energy in an area that so it helps capture the sun energy for solar panel and it helps mitigate evaporation, evaporation. thank you i was trying to blank on the word evaporation i think that's fantastic okay um i didn't go down that rate route uh let me let me kind of push back a little bit let's hear it because if I didn't push back, would would I even be like normal? Well, that'd be kind of boring. Right, boring, and also the just podcast would end, yeah. and it's just kind of limp. <sighs> solar panels. I have mixed feelings about solar panels in general. You know, I, I I thought for a while it was a good idea, but then you started seeing the ROI. And I started seeing <laughs> the ROI is horrible. The honestly. garbage in other countries, the the literally the trash. And when I saw that, yeah, hey, Americans, we like solar panels. Yeah, okay, we're doing a good job for the planet. Well, 20 years later, that panel's bad. Where does that go? Garbage. Well, you know what? The garbage company's like, no, we don't take this because it's full of silicon. It's full of glass. It's full of X, Y, Z. We're going to ship it off to this country. And this country is going to be a little tiny country in Africa. And we're just going to build this big mound of solar panels. I'm like, Ooh, and I look at photos of that. I'm like, that's not good because that mound now goes into the groundwater and now you have a bunch of toxic chemicals affecting these children. And I'm like, man, I don't want what I'm doing here affecting children somewhere else because I think it's morally good. You know what I'm saying? And I'm not saying solar bad. I just don't know if we've perfected the solar panel at this point. Again, it's it, let's say it's a stopgap fix. I think it is. I, I think it's. I think it's like 
yeah, we're going to use it for a little while and then we're going to perfect it and it'll be there. So you have a problem with the, the disposal, waste, the disposal. Yeah. Yeah. I don't like how we dispose it and, and there's no other way to do it. So I wasn't aware of this, you know, solar pen mountain yeah. in Africa. Let's wasn't just, aware. Yeah. Wasn't aware. So on me. Yeah. I'm not saying that it's bad. Like it's, it's bad, but I'm not saying that like we do that with all a bunch of like t-shirts, Super Bowl t-shirts. No one you know, knows the this. loser. Yeah. Guess what? The loser shirts go to some mountain that just is a bunch of cloth. Yeah. And some people can wear them. Some well, hell, honestly, Goodwill clothes. Exactly. I, I think it's, it's some crazy stat. Like only 10% of the clothes that you donate to Goodwill stays in America. Bingo. And they go to two countries that need it. And how much do they really need? At a certain point, like it's like, right. okay, it's excess. So. <sighs> okay. So would you rather just tarps? Good old fashioned plastic tarp. Because I think I think stopping the evaporation is huge, man. Because all the states that you named off earlier, sunny, 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 sunny. So evaporation is happening. Whenever you start expanding upon that across miles, dozens, hundreds of miles of these canals, we're we're talking real water here. Yeah, I've seen I've seen these projects in California where they use those like black balls. Yeah, I did see that in the in the pond. And yeah. Yeah, where they they place these black um, thousands, hundreds of thousands. Think of like a ping pong times like four, a little bit larger. Oh, I thought they were like the size of beach balls. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like ping pong times, you know, four or five, okay, 10, okay. whatever. Yeah, yeah. Just larger than ping pong, right? Um, and they and they use it to block out the sun to slow down evaporation. And I like it, but then I'm just wondering the second order effects. How many fish need sunlight to maybe get vitamin D? I don't I, I don't know these things, but I just think there's like a little bit of God play here. Well, also, I don't like the natural beauty that you've taken. I mean, uh, yeah, that's, that's you've robbed yes. that lake, that pond. And I'm just wondering if there's a little bit of God play here where you, you kind of affect things in an unnatural order where birds now don't have access to, say, Fish. Fish, yeah. Right? Where insects are not on the uh, water to be eaten by the fish. Yep. So you're starting to kind of try to play God in a way that natural selection did not intend to. And I'm not I'm not a proponent for ever like solutions like that. And I, I look at it, I'm like, oh, this whole solar panel thing. So do you equate canals and ponds and rivers and lakes uh, uh, the same canals are interesting they're the only one that's man-made right exactly Out of all that's of why i'm okay with it i know i like I, I like i said i'm not against it i'm not against the canal and it's weird because one of my solutions is similar to a canal it's not putting a panel on it but let me run you through my two things so my two solutions to this whole thing is you know what guys it seems like droughts are a thing that occur 500 years ago, 1,000 years ago, 3,000 years ago. It happens. We don't have control over it. Neither should we believe that we have control over it. So how do we make sure that we have the water that's necessary to survive? Because that seems like that's the issue. We All we care about is just making sure we have enough water. Well, how do we make sure we have via, uh, gas for our car? We don't all have pipelines to our house. We don't all have, you know, uh, oil lines down to the ground for getting, you know, fossil fuels out. Right. So how do we do that? We we move oil. We move fossil fuels around with pipelines. Why don't we move water around with pipelines? Kind of weird, right? We package it in water <clears throat> bottles and then we move it around. Why is there not a oil pipeline coming from California? There is. And then right next to it, a pipeline full of water. So, you know, it's actually really interesting. So before I started jumping on the California train, I want to go back to my desalination and, and I had a problem. I'm getting there too, but. Okay. okay I don't, I'm sorry. I don't want to, I don't want to go off your train. So go I was ahead. thinking pipelines. We have water in a lot of places. If you go down to the grocery store right now and you went and bought a gallon of water, how close is it to a gallon of gas? Oh, a dollar maybe off. You think a gallon of water is four bucks? 
for the cheap. Oh no, I was thinking a couple of Dasani's. Oh, okay. So you're talking about the name brand? Yeah, yeah. Probably, probably about the same as gas. Yeah. Yeah. So, so if you had a water bottle, probably two bucks, maybe dollar fifty. Yeah. You bought four of those. That's about a gallon of water. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you're at about four fifty, five dollars. Now gas right now is pretty expensive, so okay, it's an easy comparison. Bucks, yeah. <clears throat> well, what's the difference between taking Kentucky or Tennessee that has excess water? And just pipelining that water into places like Arizona, Nevada, California, and saying, you know what? Not only, you know, just, you know, let's say California, they have a lot of oil and we sell oil from California or we sell oil from Texas. What's the difference between selling water? Why don't we just pipeline water around from areas that have more water? Because we just both agreed there's plenty of areas in the United States that have. Excess water. Mm-hmm. Collect it, move it. Same exact. It's actually probably cheaper and also easier than collecting um, refined oil and moving it. Wouldn't you say collecting water yeah. and moving it is easier? Yeah. So it should be cheaper. What do you think about that? No, I think that's a great idea. Okay. Actually, it's, it's really interesting. So I didn't want to share that. I just wanted to go with my easy cop-out answer. Like, oh, let's just adopt the California thing. Because I actually do think it's a great idea. Putting uh, solar panels yeah. over. Until I found out about this African solar mountain. Like, that's horrible. But yeah. I, I do like the idea of trying to stop evaporation off man-made events. Man-made. Not events. Um, structures. Whatever. <sighs> Here's another idea. So... One thing that I have a problem with is this whole brine stuff with desalination. You know, whenever we're putting the brine back into the body of water, it's killing the ecosystem, killing the fish, et cetera, right? Horrible. So what I don't get is why don't we run two different pipes into our homes in these, the Arizonas, the Californias, the Nevadas, the uh, and maybe not Utah, but uh, New Mexico, et cetera, right? West Texas. Why don't we run two different pipes in our homes to where the excess brine, so that's what we shower with. That's what we brush our teeth with, right? Mm. You know what I'm saying? Because I don't care if I shower in a little bit saltier water. So we have one pipe that goes towards, you know, our semi-potable, drinkable, our water still out of the fountain, su- or out of the faucet sucks, right? But non-potable. But non-potable to where I shower in the brine water mixed with our crappy water. That's an interesting question. You know what? I bet you there's a lot of benefits to cleaning in salt water. You know what I'm saying? So that's that's kind of where I wanted to go off of, man. I wanted to run a different pipe, a new pipe, into all of our homes, and that takes care of the brine because I hate that the brine's going back to the ecosystem and killing it. Hate that. Wow. Good move there, Jared. I So it's funny. I So I follow this guy, and he's like, dude, why are you using deodorant? Why are you using uh, toothpaste? Why are you using all these chemicals? I use salt water. Oh, that's interesting. He literally said, I use salt water for all those things because it already has a natural detergent effect. Man, that would go really well right now. Boom. Boom. So, yeah, what about washing your clothes, the detergent effect? Why the hell are we using potable water to wash our clothes? Bro. Brush our teeth. Now, here's a weird thing. Salt is unfortunately corrosive. It is. So, and especially concentrated brine water. I get that. Yeah, so I don't know if how it would work on pipes. I don't know how all of that works. Like on a um, uh, in, engineering side. Like I don't know if like – I don't think you can run salt water through po- copper and it'd be um, useful for a long period of time. Don't get me lying to you. I don't know what metals or yeah, 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 exactly. plastics, et cetera. So I, don't, I, I know it's a corrosive uh, well, Yeah, of course. Thing, right? And <laughs> so a lot they of, shaped – Beautiful mountains, you know, there's salt. Exactly, salt, right? So I think salt is a challenge already to deal with. But, man, I like it because what if we could get rid of fluoride in the water for your teeth because you're using salt water? That would be interesting. That's kind of my, that's my idea. mm, That's what I wanted to share. Okay. But I I took the cop out initially, but that's where I was at. So my first thing, we'll wrap this thing up, guys, because you can tell me and Jared are three beers in here. Trying to finish things, this uh, this special beer up here in the end, but what I was thinking, okay, so water pipelines, let's figure that out. Let's let's because at a certain point we're going to need infrastructure for that. Even if let's say Arizona right now we're in a drought to some extent, uh, California's in a drought to some extent, Nevada, 
give us the water from other states that have plenty of it. We already do that for gasoline. We already do that for oil. We could probably do that for water. I don't think there's a challenge there. Just give us some pipelines for water. I think most people, you know, it's a survival thing. Like I think most people depend on water more so than fuel. Would you agree? Yeah, I mean, you don't need fuel to live. Exactly. Yeah. So at a certain point, I'm going to pay more money for water. <laughs> I need water every day. I don't need fuel every day. Yeah, like I'm going to quit my job before I can't drink water. Yeah. So guess what? Pipelines for water, I think, make sense. Just make it work. Okay, that's my first problem. My, my, first, my, my first interesting take. Second thing is desalination. I know you brought it up. Make it work. Get private money in there. Make it work. I think it is absurd that coastal states have not figured this out. I think it is a money-making endeavor. I think there is so much money to be made for desalination. If there are states that are saying, oh, we're low on money, we're low on water. Oh, um, s- sorry. Um, did you say Arizona? You're low on water. Oh, we're we're from California, San Diego, and we have actually unlimited supply called the Pacific Ocean. I'm. You got to figure it out. Desalination is the easiest way. We have plenty of figure figured out things. This is one of them where I'm, I I I think it should be a hard pressed issue. Oh, it takes so much energy. Nuclear. We've already talked about that. Oh, we have salt. Jared just said, well, maybe there's a benefit to salt in some other ways. Sell it. I think there's people that want salt. Figure out somebody that wants to buy that salt. Put it in a big freaking mountain called a land, you know. You, you know what's so funny, man, is I actually thought of a product. So you cook pasta a lot, right? Mm-hmm. What's the first thing you do to the water? Throw a little salt on there. Weird. You know, I, you could literally bottle this up and sell it for cooking water. The hell, they have cooking wine, cooking water now. Yeah. I, I actually think there's there's massive opportunity there for this brine, um, but putting it back in the ocean I think is a horrible idea. So today, that's why I'm against desalination because of the current practices. It's not being mm. monetized properly, I don't think. The, clearly, there are, are a lot smarter people than you and I working on this, so there's something that we're not thinking through. Because look, we didn't come to this revolutionary idea two shitty beers and one decent beer deep, right? That, that, that's not... We're not thinking it holistically for whatever reason. Or maybe we are. I don't no, know. No, maybe no. we can't release this episode because we're going to give someone a million-dollar idea. No, no. I, I think what happens is that people get political. People get kind of like sensitive to the subject. Like, oh, we need uh, we need to get rid of droughts because it's a climate change issue. Mm-hmm. Guys, droughts have been around for hundreds, millions, 100 million years. They've always been around. It's not a human thing. What it is, is that, yeah, we may have increased the percentage of it or, or whatever, but we need to adapt to it. Um, so how do we adapt? Water pipelines from people that have more water, desalination, conserving water in certain areas, making use with, with what you have. There's ways to adapt. I think it's all an adaption thing. I don't think it's a stop everybody from doing thing kind of thing. You no, know, like, I, don't agree. I right? agree with that 100%. Yeah. Like, I, I don't think I should ever be stopped from, you know, feeding my plants in my backyard the water, amount of water. Like, no, you know, figure out how to get water there. I'll pay more money for it if I have to. Okay. That's fine. Yeah. I want, capitalism. I want more trees. I want more plants. Like, there's a reason that we have more plants and more trees and more green than we've ever had in the entire world. It's because humans plant trees. <laughs> I don't know. What do you think about that, Jones? No, no, I'm okay with it, man. Um, I think a com- almost a, a combination of our ideas, whether it's, you know, I think we kind of land on desalination, but also figure out a way to deal with the, the pollution of desalination a little bit better, yeah. a little bit more effective. Um, so I'm okay with the combo. Man, imagine, it's weird. I just looked at your countertop. Yep. Imagine a, sal- uh, a salt-based countertop. Okay. Yeah, I'm yeah. in. Yeah. I'll buy it. Yeah. Yeah. Natural. Holy shit, Matt, he's probably be like, let's take, because yours is quartz. Yeah. Well, quartz is just a bunch of stuff put in epoxy and like pressed in. Okay, we'll put a bunch of salt in there and do the same thing. There's so many, I, I bet Cookware. you. 
Exactly. I bet I you. Cookware meat. Well, you already know there's there's salt licks that you put your steak on yeah. and salmon on. Yeah. I bet you you there are a endless supply of ideas of salt, and the challenge is that we don't have enough salt for cheap enough money. Well, all of a sudden there is a desalination plant that has very cheap salt. But guess what? We'll figure out what to do with your salt. That's always what the solution is, right? Let's we'll go figure it out. Carlsbad this weekend, man. The Carlsbad desalination plant. Is there one right there? Yeah. It's like one of the bigger ones. Yeah. Let's go figure out a way to get with that brine and like, hey, we'll monetize this shit. Do they have brine just sitting there? No, no, no. It's not sitting there. It's going back in the ocean. That's just so bad. Oh, my God. Let's go. I wouldn't mind. Man, imagine if just sitting in free salt. We could do something with it, huh? <sighs> Fuck. So much stuff. Okay, dude. Want to write this thing up? Yeah. Guys, I uh, appreciate you listening. As always, please give us a follow at Six Pack Discussions on Instagram. Um, would love to to get a new listener. You know, as far as you know, maybe a listener feedback as far as a uh, different topic that we can cover. I think that'd be kind of fun. We haven't really done that probably in the last what four or five weeks since Capital Punishment, maybe longer. So, uh, guys, you know, please please give us a uh, give us a shout out. You know, give us a different topic to talk about, and also. If we did miss something, like I said, you know, surely Cody and I didn't come to this groundbreaking revelation, right? So let us know what we missed. If you are a subject matter expert on this, please let us know. And we'd be welcome, love to welcome a a contradiction, maybe a different point of view, um, any sort of expertise that you could really shine on this. So there it goes. Thanks again.